Topic 9. Third Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by D. Randall. 20th Century Negro Literature. Topic 9. Third Paper by Professor Kelly Miller. Will the Education of the Negro Solve the Race Problem? By Professor Kelly Miller. It is a hopeful sign when those who are vitally concerned in the outcome of the Negro problem are guided in their discussion by the light of evidence and argument and are not impelled to foregone conclusions by transmitted prejudice and traditional bias. The article of Professor John Roach Stratton in the North American Review for June 1900 is notable for its calm, dispassionate, argumentative treatment and for its freedom from rancor and venom. His conclusions, therefore, if erroneous, are all the more damaging because of the evident sincerity and helpful intention of the author. With much erudition and argumentative skill, Professor Stratton sets forth the proposition that education has failed to check the Negro's degenerating tendencies or to fit him for his strange and abnormal environment. There are two leading divisions of the race problem. One, the development of a backward race. Two, the adjustment of two races with widely divergent ethnic characteristics. These two factors are, in the mind of many, antagonistic to each other. The more backward and undeveloped the Negro, the easier is the process of his adjustment to the white race. But when you give him Greek and Latin and eyeglasses, frictional problems inevitably arise. Under slavery, this adjustment was complete, but the bond of adjustment was quickly burst asunder when the Negro was made a free man and clothed with full political and civil privilege. The one great question which so far remains unanswerable is can the two be readjusted on terms of equality? The solution of social problems belongs to the realm of statesmanship, philanthropy, and religion. The function of education is to develop latent faculties. It was a shallow philosophy which prophesied that a few years of schooling on the part of the Negro would solve the race question. If the education of the colored man has not worked out the fulfillment which its propounders prophesied, it simply proves them to be poor prophets. The Negro, too, believed that if he could only learn to read and write, and especially if he could go to college, that he would be relieved of every encumbrance that beset him. Education was looked upon as an end and not as an agency. As his friends were destined to disappointment, the Negro himself was doomed to humiliation and chagrin. Education creates as many problems as it solves. It is both static and dynamical. When Professor Stratton says, therefore, that education has not solved the race problem, he utters a truism. But if he means to imply that it has not had a wholesome effect upon the life of the Negro, his conclusion verges upon the absurd. We are apt to be misled by the statistics showing the decline of illiteracy among Negroes. 
all those who can read and write are set apart as educated persons, as if this mere mechanical information had worked some great transformation in their nature. The fact is a very small percent of the race is educated in any practical or efficient sense. The simple ability to read and write is of the least possible benefit to a backward race. What advantage would it be to the Red Indians to be able to trace the letters of the English alphabet with the pen, or to vocalize the printed characters into syllables and sentences? Unless the moral nature is touched and the vital energies aroused, there would be no improvement in conduct or increase in practical efficiency. Education has a larger function for a backward than for a forward race. To the latter, it merely furnishes a key to an existing lock, while to the former, it must supply both lock and key. The pupil who is already acquainted with the nature and conditions of a problem may need only a suggestion as to a skillful or lucky combination of parts in order to lead to its solution, whereas to one ignorant of the underlying facts and factors, such suggestion would be worse than useless. Even much of the so-called higher education of the Negro has been only a process of artificially forcing a mass of refined information into a system which had no digestive or assimilative apparatus. Such education produces no more nourishment or growth than would result from forcing sweetmeats down the throat of an alligator. Of education in its true sense, the Negro has had very little. The great defect of the Negro's nature is his lack of individual initiative, growing out of his feeble energy of will. To overcome this difficulty, his training should be judiciously adapted and sensibly applied to his needs. Industrial training will supply the method and the higher culture the motive. Professor Stratton tells us that $100 million have already been expended upon the education of this race. Princely as this sum seems to be, it is nevertheless utterly insignificant when compared with the magnitude of the task to which it has been applied. The city of New York alone spends $15 million annually for educational purposes. And yet, if we are to believe the rumors of corruption and the low state of municipal morality, it will be seen that education has not yet done its perfect work in our great metropolis then why should we rave at the heart and froth at the mouth because a sum of money, scarcely equal to a third of the educational expenditure of a single American city, though distributed over a period of 30 years and scattered over a territory of a million square miles, has not completely civilized a race of 8 million degraded souls? The whites maintain that they impose taxes upon themselves for the education of the blacks. This is only one of the many false notions of political economy which have done so much to blight the prosperity of the South. Labor pays every tax in the world, and although the laborer may not enjoy the privilege of passing the tribute to the tax-taker, he is nevertheless entitled to share in all of the privileges which his toll makes possible. And besides, children are not educated because their parents are taxpayers but in order that they may become more helpful and efficient members of the community. It would be wisdom on the part of the South 
to place the future generations under bonded debt, if necessary, for the education of its ignorant population, white and black. This would be far more statesmanlike than to transmit to them a legacy of ignorance, degradation, and crime. Pride in a political theory should no longer prevent the appeal to national aid to remove the threatening curse. Professor Stratton underestimates the effect of culture upon a backward race when he minimizes the value of individual emergence. The individual is the proof of the race. The conception of progress has always found lodgment in the mind of some select individuals, whence it has trickled down to the masses below. May it not be that the races which have withered before the breath of civilization have faded because they failed to produce individuals with sufficient intelligence, courage, and good sense to wisely guide and direct their path? What names can the Red Indian present to match Benjamin Banneker or Booker T. Washington, Frederick Douglass, or Paul Lawrence Dunbar? The Negro has contributed 400 patented inventions to the mechanical genius of his country. How many has the Aborigine contributed? The Congressional Library has collected 1,400 books and pamphlets by Negro authors. These works are, of course, in the main commonplace or indifferent. But a people who have the ambition to write poor books will soon gain the ability to make good ones. Have any of the vanished races shown such aptitude for civilization? But these are exceptions. So are the eminent men of any race. When the exceptions become too numerous, it is rather poor logic to urge them in proof of the rule. It is also a mistake to suppose that these picked individuals are without wholesome influence upon the communal life. They are diffusive centers of light scattered throughout the whole race. These grains of leaven will actually leaven the whole lump. We take these savages from their simple life and their low plane of evolution and attempt to give them an enlightenment for which the stronger races have prepared themselves by ages of growth. There is in this utterance a tinge of the feeling which actuated the laborers who had borne the heat and burden of the day when they objected to the eleventh-hour intruders being received on equal terms with themselves. One answer suffices for both. Other men have labored, and ye are entered into their labors. It is true that the Negro misses evolution and his adjustment to his environment is made the more difficult on that account. Education, therefore, is all the more essential and vital. The chasm between civilization and savagery must be bridged by education. The boy learns in a few years what it took the race ages to acquire. A repetition of the slow steps and stages by which progress has been secured is impossible. Attachment to civilization must take place at its highest point, just as we set a graft upon the most vigorous and healthy limb of a tree and not upon the decadent stem. Must the Negro dwell for generations upon Anglo-Saxon stems and Cancerian diction before he is introduced to modern forms of English speech? The child of the African slave is under the same linguistic necessity as the offspring of Depew and Gladstone. He must leap in stanter from primitive mode of locomotion to the steamboat, the electric car, and the automobile. 
Of course, many will be lost in the endeavor to sustain the stress and strain. Civilization is a savor of life into life and death into death. Japan is the best living illustration of the rapid acquisition of civilization. England can utilize no process of art or invention that is not equally invaluable to the Oriental Islanders. This has been accomplished by this young and vigorous people, mainly through the education of picked youth. Herein lies the only salvation of the Negro race. In the meantime, the dual nature of the solution and its relative importance to both races is clearly indicated by Voltaire, the great French savant. It is more meritorious and more difficult to wean men from their prejudices than to civilize the barbarian. End of topic nine, third paper.